Good morning. Happy Independence Day Eve. I want to welcome everyone that's worshiping with us in person and also online. So I have a few questions because you know kind of how my humor rolls. What is red, white, blue, and gross? Uncle Spam. Where did George Washington buy his hatchet for chopping down the cherry tree? You gotta be old school to know this. The chopping mall. Oh, I got some groans on that one. What is Betsy Ross's favorite sport? Y'all don't throw nothing at me. Flag football, you got it. <laughs> what did the American colonists thirst for? Liberty. But I guess here in the South it would be sweet liberty. <laughs> All jokes aside. Three people just left us. They're done with us. They are riding to the conference. No more. Remove her. We are done. She is corny. She needs to learn how to preach. All seriousness, though. Today is a day that we, we do over this weekend and this time period. We look at our freedoms and so many liberties that are given to us that other countries do not have. I'm thankful that even in the middle of our chaos, the hand of God is still on our country. I'm thankful for those that have fought for us to have those liberties. I'm thankful for those that have volunteered to go to the front lines of this physical battle. Let's not forget the ones that go to the front line of our spiritual battles. So before we dive into today's worship, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, King of Kings, we love to sing praise to you. We rejoice in you, our maker. We exalt you, our king. We praise your name for you delight in your people. God, we do not deserve to come into your presence, but we humble ourselves before the foot of the cross, and it is the victory that was found on the cross by Jesus that allows us to come into your presence. God, we lift you up. You've clothed us in righteousness. God, we come before you now with confidence, not that's based on anything we can do for ourselves, but based on the love that you pour out upon us. God, let your praise come from our lips and please your heart. God, help us to walk out every day with humble obedience to your will for our life. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your risen Son. Amen. This morning's scripture is a little different. We're looking at Luke 10, 17 through 20. And this is the talking about the return of those that Jesus had sent out. Starting in verse 17, it says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits 
are subject to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, maker of heaven and earth, you rule over all nations. As we think of your unfailing, eternal, enduring love, we look forward to the day when we will worship you eternally. It's in that eternity where we get to stand before your throne. Your throne will be surrounded by people of all tribes, tongues, and nations, and all will testify that you've remained faithful to us. We will all see that you've kept every single promise you've made. We will all see your goodness and your grace. We will all be transformed by your glory. We ask that as we enter worship today, God, give us a glimpse of what the future holds as we gather today here in your beautiful sanctuary. God, it's through Christ alone that we are able to do anything. But God, just as scripture said, keep us humble. Do not let us become so filled with power that we ever feel like we're doing it on our own. It is only through your hand that we are able to do anything. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your risen son. Amen. So this weekend, it's hard to believe, it marks 246 years since the Continental Congress approved the Declaration of Independence. So now with that document, that long ago, Congress said that we are no longer subject to the British crown. We have found freedom and independence as a nation. You're probably thinking, well, she thinks I preach on everything that's going on right now in the church. No. Throughout the U.S., there are cookouts, parades, fireworks. I heard them for like five hours last night. <laughs> but it's to commemorate the courage, the courage and the foresight of the men who signed the Declaration of Independence. So after the Declaration of Independence was approved on July 4th, Congress sent it to be printed. About a month after the Declaration of Independence was approved, the delegates of the Continental Congress signed it. That is what is now on display at the National Archives. John Hancock, president of the Continental Congress, was the first to sign. Now, according to legend, I love a good legend. I don't know about y'all. Kind of makes me think. John Hancock wrote his signature so flamboyant in that famous script that he declared there, I guess King George will be able to read that. And just like the story of George Washington chopping down the cherry tree, so much of this we think about, or I do, when it comes to the 4th of July. And no matter where we're at, I think we could recognize the signature of John Hancock. It may not be the exact, of course, because he's not here to sign his name in front of us. But I think we could get similar 
signatures and see that is John Hancock. But our Jan John Hancock is quite different and very important. You see, with our John Hancock, we signed a contract. We pledged to work. We pledged to honor loan agreements. With our John Hancock, we can sign checks and do business with each other. We allow taxes to be taken out of our checking account. Don't get me started. I mean, if we're talking about America, we might as well throw in taxes, right? But where is your John Hancock this morning? See, our text spoke about the one place where our John Hancock is written. Now, if you read the King James Version, you'll notice that Jesus said the 70 returned. And then in some other translations, it's 72. But I really don't think the importance is how many returned. What's important is that these disciples returned after their limited time with such great joy. And they exclaimed, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. But Jesus had told them to go heal the sick. If you back up a little bit to verse 9. So perhaps the, the disciples didn't really realize that the ability to heal disease would necessarily cast out demons when they were told, go heal the sick. Perhaps they were just amazed that God would give them such powers. Again, I've told you there's times that I'm like, God, if you want me to call down thunder, I will. If you want me to call down fire, you know, the signs of thunder. Of course, I know Jesus is going, no, you'd be stupid with it. I'm not giving you anything like that. But can you imagine they almost came across as children when they came back? Almost like kids at Christmas, so excited to witness what had happened in the name of Jesus. But Jesus goes, he cautions them against being boastful about this power, tells them do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to them, but instead rejoice that their name is written in heaven. So in other words, Jesus is saying, don't worry about the power I give to you. You need to be concerned with where your name is. Is it written in heaven? So this morning we're going to learn how to rejoice about our John Hancock. So first we need to understand the imagery written in heaven. The scripture speaks of several books that God keeps in heaven. One of them is the book of the living. So this book is named for every, has a name for every person that is on earth. Some texts say, and this is in Deuteronomy 29.20, the Lord will not be willing to forgive him, but rather the anger of the Lord and his jealousy will smoke against the man. And the curses written in that book will be settled upon him. The Lord will blot out his name under heaven. No matter what we do, God sees everything. He records everything. He knows, and we can't escape it. So without repentance... Our names can be blotted from the book. Psalms 69, 28 says, Let them be blotted out of the book of the living. Let, not, let them not be enrolled among the righteousness. 
don't know about you, but I don't want to plead for anyone to be blotted out of the book. I would love to see every name written in the book. There's also a book that contains the names of the elect. Since this time, Michael will rise, the great prince who has charged against your people. There's a book talking about the angels are going to rise up and fight for those that are righteous. I would love to know that every single person's name is in that book. That on that day when God returns, the angels are going to fight for every single righteous person. And no one will be left behind. In Daniel 12, 1 it says, There shall be a time of trouble such as never has been seen before. But at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found will be found in the book of life. So obviously, God has many ledgers. God knows all, tracks all. God doesn't need these books. They're very symbolic. Scripture has many symbolic things that help us understand. But Jesus goes on to say to his disciples, don't rejoice. Jesus tells them, do not rejoice over the fact that you have power over the spirits. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I can only think of the excitement. I would be excited too to to know that somebody was delivered right in front of my eyes. And then I was thinking back to the recovery ministry. There have been many times I've watched people give their lives. And they walked into the building almost as if they couldn't get their head up, couldn't look you in the eye. When they left, it was almost like they were walking on clouds. Sometimes we don't really pay attention to the times that deliver, Jesus delivers people. But I've realized there are many times he does deliver them right in front of our eyes. We're just so caught up we don't pay attention. The demon possession in the first century world was very serious. Matthew 17 talks about a little boy that was possessed and the demon would make him fall into water and into fire. A man that was possessed by a demon lived among the tombs. It says no one could bind him with chains. He would break them. He would break the shackles. And then it said that he would scream out in pain. And the demon made, it, made him cut himself. Why not rejoice? Why not praise God? The answer may seem very simple. It wasn't the power that healed. It was the power of God moving around them. It was nothing they did. It was them walking with the Holy Spirit. You see, we get a glimpse of this when the disciples say, Jesus, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. It had nothing to do with them. The demons weren't subject to any man, but they were subject to the representatives of Jesus. The gospel was declared at first by the Lord, and it was a testament to every single person who heard it, because you cannot sit 
under God's word and not be changed. Therefore, there's no boasting about our spiritual gifts or anything that is within God's will because it's all about God. It's nothing to do with us. He gives us the opportunity to walk alongside of him. Romans 13 says there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. There's no amount of valor or anything that could have defeated the redcoats except the hand of God. How many times have we been in a situation where we're like, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how that worked out. Then how many times do we go, that was purely God? I've had many times. So, what are we to rejoice in? First, the disciples weren't to rejoice in themselves, but in that their name was written in heaven. Regardless of what goes on, we control our name written in the book. If we don't confess, if we don't repent, our name will not be written in the book. I often tell people in the recovery ministry, whatever we do in this life, all we leave behind is our name. Everything that's associated with our name. How we treated people, how we lived our life, how we walked our life, were we a testament of God? Or were we basically a Scrooge McDuck walking around by a humbug, get away from me? Did we mentor people? Did we push them away? It's our name that we leave behind. That is our legacy. That is it. In the old days, in the Old Testament days and New Testament, mostly Old Testament, it tells us that this is the family of, the son of, the father of, because that name was important. It was respected. Every single person here is a child of the one true living God. Do we honor his name like that? If someone heard our name, would they say, oh, that was a very godly person. It was a very giving person. It was a very humble person. That was a fill in the blank of any other attribute that comes from God. Would they? My question this morning is, Where is your John Hancock this morning? Is it written in the book of life? When Jesus walked this earth, he went to many, ate with sinners, sat with sinners. And we know that we are all sinners saved by grace. But the biggest thing that is important to me, and it always hits home, and it's something I get very emotional about, is communion. You see, the imitation that Christ has for the table is for all that he loves. It's for all that repent of their sin. It's for all that seek peace with one another. But even when we're at that crossroad where we're trying to do different, we're trying to do better, we haven't fully confessed our heart, he doesn't turn us away from the table. He says, come. 
Do we treat others like that? Do we say, come? Just come as you are. Just be in his presence. As we prepare to have communion this morning, let's pray the, I want you to hear the confession and pardon prayer. Let's pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be obedient to the capital C church, the whole church, the whole body of Christ. We have not done your will fully, for our will gets in the way. We've broken your law to appease our flesh. We've rebelled against your love in order to chase our own desires. We have not loved our neighbors as you've loved us. And we have not heard fully the cry of the needy. Because, God, there's always someone out there that's crying out for you. Help us to open our eyes to see them. Help us open our ears to hear them. God, we ask for you to forgive us. God, we ask for you to fill us with joyful obedience through your Son, Christ. Amen. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, you give us an open opportunity to come into your presence. God, when Jesus went to the cross, he tore the veil so that we could gather around you like children at their, the foot of their father. God, I pray that every time there's something the enemy is throwing at us, that we run to you as hard as we can. Because there is nothing like the protection of the Father, the guidance of the Father, the wisdom of the Father. God, no matter what we do, we act like kingdom brats. You love us unconditionally, God. Help us to love others unconditionally the way you loved us. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your Son. Amen.